Hey again, welcome to another episode of Knowing God with Heart and Mind. I'm Pastor Dan, and it's my pleasure to serve you again this week with some fundamentals of knowing God with heart and mind. We've got the scripture readings today for Easter Sunday. It's hard to believe, but we've made it again through another season of Lent, and it's time to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and all that that means to us. As always, we're going to read the scriptures together, and each week we'll try to insert a little bit of wisdom and uh, Holy Spirit help and whatever else we can come up with so that we can finally get the most out of Scripture in a way that will cause us to know God with all our heart and mind and to love God with heart, mind, and soul. And so uh, let's begin first with some announcements and a Parsons Prairie tale. Last week I was uh, listening to the podcast and realized that uh, I turned the nature sounds up a little too high. So I want to apologize right now to all of you who have persevered through birds that sounded like they were sitting on my shoulder and trying to uh, talk right into the microphone with me. As I have said to you, this is a work in progress. I'm learning to do this in uh, many ways and... uh, it just it's kind of a limitations of technology combined with limited experience but uh you know we're getting better with practice uh some of the quality things that i would like to see will come eventually when uh technology permits and my knowledge uh increases but for now thank you for enduring uh the occasional glitchiness and uh, maybe some uh, less than studio quality sound hopefully we come more for this uh, shared virtual Bible study that we do together. More than that, I can't promise. But we do love God's Word, and we do love reading it together and uh, thinking about it together. That's a pretty windy day here in uh, Parsons Prairie. In fact, it's a cold and blustery day. We haven't had a lot of bad weather uh, to speak of, just your typical spring storms and uh, lots of rain around here. There's water standing in the fields around Parsons Prairie, but... There's just been this little 24-hour shot of cold, slushy rain that's falling from the sky sideways as 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts blast the side of the parsonage. But we've become used to that here on the prairie. It's, uh, it's just a sign that the seasons are changing, so we'll take it. Now, of course, the chickens are holding on tight to their, uh, their chicken coop and uh, not uh, blowing away as far as I can tell. I did hear one out there crowing about having laid an egg, so I guess I'm going to have to endure the cold and go out there and get one. Now, Parsons Prairie is surrounded by wildlife. It is uh, kind of remarkable, really, all the crazy things we see and hear around here. Sometimes during the night, you can hear packs of coyotes howling and yipping as they hunt and run together. And sometimes during the day, you can hear the call of a... a, uh, red-tailed hawk as it circles above and looks for some rodent that isn't paying attention and uh, we also get visitors who pass through on their way back and forth Uh, told you about the flyboys last week well we have another visitor that comes through fairly often his his name is fabian fabian is a white-breasted hawk he's much larger than the local 
uh, variety of hawks and uh, from what what we've been able to tell he's some sort of migratory bird that's actually from way up north in the vicinities of the northern territories uh, and tundra of Canada so he comes pretty far south to visit with us and uh, he has a lot of nerve that uh, that Fabian he likes to sit on the telephone pole out in front of my house and just study my chickens ever so thoughtfully although He's never really made any aggressive moves towards them. He is pretty brazen in that when I go out to the mailbox and stand under his uh, post where he's sitting, I can look straight up at him and he looks straight down at me and there doesn't seem to be any interest on his part in leaving. And uh, he doesn't seem at all concerned about me either. So that's Fabian, the white-breasted hawk. Then we have Claude and Hortense. Now, Claude and Hortense are uh, great horned owls that come flying in through uh, on their way to different places. I'm not really sure where they come from or where they're going, but sometimes Claude and Hortense will land uh, in uh, the trees down along No Name Creek where they sit and just sort of observe the fields, watching for rodents and uh, considering the chickens. But... Uh, I guess they've decided as long as we're around, that's probably not the best thing in the world. So once again, they are visitors who are less uh, intimidated for whatever reason, or perhaps they just don't feel threatened by me. I guess I can't really know for sure what it is, but I can walk down to the creek and I can stand just 20 or 30 feet from their perch and I can talk with Claude and Hortense and I can tell them who I am, and of course you know what's coming. They just look at me and say, who? Who? It is kind of remarkable to hear them, especially when you're not expecting them. And uh, so we really like Claude and Hortense's visits because they don't produce any pain and they give us something interesting to look at. So those are some of the visitors that come by the Parsons Prairie Parsonage from time to time. and. Then there are the deer who sneak through in the night, and there are the various uh, raccoons and uh, and beavers and muskrats and groundhogs, and uh, there's uh, all kinds of critters that creep along No Name Creek and occasionally poke their head up from the bank to see what's going on at Parsons Prairie. Never a dull moment around here, that's for sure. Oh yeah, and then there's the crayfish. I'm going to have to tell you that one next time. To, uh, remind me to tell you about the crayfish who live in the garden and, uh, and to, who are living in the spring under the garden. Now, that's a fascinating little bit uh, of information. There's a whole colony of these crayfish, and these guys are big. Well, anyway, something for next time. So there you go. More news from Parsons Prairie. Now, let's come back together for what we really, really wanted to do in the first place, which is to hear the Word of God and to talk about it together for a little while. Our readings from the Revised Common Lectionary are for Easter Sunday, April 16, 2017, and uh, these are the readings that are scheduled. They are not the same as would occur on a Sunday in ordinary time or even the season of Lent. These two, these uh, scripture readings are particularly scheduled for Easter Sunday morning, and so they 
are a celebration of Christ's resurrection. Our first reading is from the Gospel of John. We're going to read chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in, this, in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold me, for I have not ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them, that he had said these things to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Psalm 118, verses 1 to 2, and verses 14 to 24. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever ever. Let Israel say, His love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. 
The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. And finally, a reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, our broadcast is a little bit different today because we are dealing with the Easter reading schedule in the same way that the lectionary readings are somewhat different. Uh, so we've, we've skipped a couple of segments and combined all the scripture reading into one package, just as I think the lectionary authors would want us to do. It is so that when we read the scriptures, we can see this continuity that is demonstrated from the Old Testament to the New Testament through the Psalms, through the, the epistles, and uh, therefore recognize that uh, there's a consistency to it. Now, to understand that, one has to have been doing a little bit of research in the past, you know, that, that if this is your first Sunday to really hear the word, then maybe what you're hearing above all else is that a man died and rose again. But if you do the research, if you do a little bit of digging, then you may come to the conclusion that this Jesus is so much more than a man who died and rose again. But before we 
try to explain what that means. Let's just stop and think about the idea of someone dying and rising again. If you're like me and you drive around the countryside enough to occasionally pass the local cemetery, you've probably glanced over at the hundreds of headstones. Perhaps you've even come by the cemetery on a day when a grave was being prepared for a burial. You've seen the little tent, you've seen the chairs set up, you've seen the hole in the ground. Or maybe you've come by and uh, the cemetery is vacant and it is clear that a funeral service has just ended because you see the pile of flowers and fresh dirt over the grave that has just been closed. Whatever your image, let us just consider for a moment that on a certain day there was an earthquake that shook the whole community and people said that there had been some sort of strange disturbance down at the cemetery. And as you went to the cemetery to investigate, you saw car after car after car driving through the cemetery and slowly passing by that one particular grave, which now was blown open and all the flowers and the fresh dirt had been scattered around the hole, but the hole itself was open and inside was an open casket with nothing in it. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? What would you think at such a sight? Maybe you would say, well, grave robbers apparently have come and, or some sicko has come in and done this disturbing thing. Or maybe you would just shake and shiver a little bit at all the possibilities. And what then if you heard a rumor around the community that, that this person who had died had committed to the record that they would be raised again three days after dying? What if there were people sitting in the local uh, saloon or in the local barber shop or the local grocery store uh, chatting over a basket in the back corner somewhere by the milk and eggs, you know, just imagine people gathering in the different places that you're familiar with where they're talking about events in the community and imagine that some of them said, I saw him dead. I was at the funeral home. I saw him laying there in the casket. There was no question that he was dead. And others would say, I was at the funeral. I've been there. I, I was at the graveside. I remember watching as the last words were said and and some of us lingered and watched as the groundskeepers lowered the casket into the ground and they lowered that concrete lid onto the vault and they poured the dirt back into the hole. I, we watched. We saw. We know he was dead. And then you remember that he had promised that he would come back from death on the third day. And there was that earthquake and there was this obliterated lid that once covered the vault and there were the flowers and the dirt and everything scattered to every direction around that grave and down in that hole certainly there is this open casket with nobody in it and one wonders. 
the government doesn't take long to get involved, and pretty soon the police are gathered out there with their notebooks and their police tapes circling the grave and trying to understand and accommodate the concerns of of family and uh, groundskeepers and trustees of the local cemetery and and uh, the people from the local church and everyone else is trying to understand what's happened and the police are trying to make sense of it and and uh, perhaps it even makes the local news the next night even makes the national spotlight that this strange occurrence has occurred where a certain grave was opened in the night and people are saying that this person rose from the dead and eventually a rumor begins to go around a rumor that some of his closest friends have met with him they have seen him they've actually touched his wounds those fatal wounds that they were sure brought about his death some of them are so sure that even if it means being labeled as crazy even if it means perhaps being arrested for some sort of involvement in this bizarre crime in the cemetery they're willing to say they have talked to this friend who is now alive after being dead and buried for three days can you imagine that can you begin to put yourself in the scene of the scriptures and what then do you say when it eventually comes out that this man is certainly alive and that people see him on a regular basis. And though you haven't seen him, there is so much evidence and so much joy that it's a little hard to believe that it is just a story. And so you find yourself looking for an explanation. And then people come along and they tell you that there was a purpose to all of it. That it was done with a goal of fulfilling some supernatural and extraordinary plan that this was a truly unique occurrence that this wasn't going to happen ever again and it probably is unprecedented in all human history and that the whole idea behind this situation was that this person who died was more than just a person like us, but also a person who was fully God. And again, you find yourself trying to understand such a strange concept, but you, but you can't deny the commitment to this story and to these events witnessed by those who are now talking about it openly, unafraid, boldly proclaiming the death, the resurrection of this person. And then beginning to add meaning to the event by explaining how this had been predicted for a long time, that this was God's answer to the problem of sin. That one person, one unique person in all of time and space and history, recorded and unrecorded, this one person had the capacity as the person of God who is called the Son is able to take upon himself the sin that separates all of us from God. And that in taking that sin upon himself, he has gained for us forgiveness for our sins. 
And as if that wasn't enough, he took away the one thing that we all fear above all else, which is death. He took away the reason for fearing death, which is a fear that our life, such as it is, is over, and that's all there is. He showed, by demonstrating his power over death, that there would be life beyond the grave, that there would be a resurrection, a day of, of renewed life, Life that's more than the reanimation of dead flesh, but actually a new kind of existence. A kind of existence that is loosely referred to in the scripture readings today in the way that Jesus talks about himself. And yet the apostles go out of their way to say that they ate with him that he was in their company doing the things they had always done together. So there's pretty good reason to believe that for all intents and purposes, he was normal, but different as the firstborn of the resurrected dead. And so you have it. Easter Sunday, a day that is obscured by local and uh, national customs around colored eggs and candy and fancy clothes. But what it still comes down to is the resurrection of a dead man. It still comes down to a story that will not die, that will not go away. After 2,000 years, people are still talking about this Jesus who was brutally murdered, who died on a cross, nailed to a tree like an old rag. He died in a way that not only took upon himself the physical suffering and death of humanity, but he took upon himself the emotional and spiritual death of a soul. And also that we might not have to experience that end as the end. So this week following Easter, consider the new life that you have because of the life that Christ lived, the death that he died, the battle against sin and death and evil that he won, and the resurrection that he led the way to. Consider the Christ who will ascend to be with the Father, a man sitting on the throne of grace, waiting to return to us, to call us forward, to join him in the resurrection. This is the best news the world and all of space and time has ever heard. It is unbelievable, and because of its unbelievability, it is entirely plausible. It is so absurd that anyone who would believe it and the cost that that person would pay for believing it doesn't seem to justify it, and yet people keep believing it year after year, generation after generation. There's something to this story, strange as it sounds. There's something for you to consider. Christ Jesus is alive today. He has died 
and risen again. He will come again. And we will know him. And by his spirit, we can know him now. The Holy Spirit, the gift that he gives, is waiting to enter into you and bring new life to your spirit. Will you accept the gift? You know, all you have to say is, Jesus, I get it. You died on the cross. You did this not just as a way of taking someone's place and a punishment you didn't deserve. If that were all it was, then there have been other martyrs who have done similar things. But it's so much more than that. You have stood in the breach between heaven and hell. And you have directed us toward heaven because you have opened the way. Thank you, Jesus. Let us pray. Almighty God, this day is a day of celebration, a day of rejoicing, a day to give you glory for your supreme power over sin and death. But it is a sobering day, a day to remember that without Jesus, we are just dead bodies in a grave. We are just decaying waste. That our sin separates us from you. We recognize that our sin is more than the deeds we do, or even the thoughts that come out of our minds, it is, it is a way of treating you. It is whether we choose to acknowledge your authority over all of creation, to acknowledge that you are the creator, that you are the author of life, that you are the one who puts the spark of life in me. In the same way that blood and oxygen mixed together to keep these organs moving and flowing through my body, you are the spirit that keeps my soul moving. And my soul is lost without Jesus. My soul goes nowhere from the grave without Jesus. Because my soul has rejected you. It has chosen to do something other than you would have it do. This is the true problem of sin. And you give us a way to be in union with you no matter what. And we are so thankful, Lord. And so we come together this Easter, this resurrection day, to praise you, to give you glory, and to humble ourselves before you. To grieve over the sin that caused the death of Jesus and the unbelievable supernatural sacrifice that he made for our sake. Oh God, thank you and forgive us. Oh God, as we break fasts and we celebrate with food and new clothes and all those things the world would have us do, we must not forget that there's only one reason for this. There's only one purpose in it all. And it is the salvation of your precious humanity that you created for your enjoyment. 
that you preserved for, you, for the love that you have. And so we thank you. And we pray that our lives would honor you. We thank you that after celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we can look forward to the coming of the Holy Spirit, a life that we have in you is new and fresh. In many ways, the resurrection of our own bodies has already begun because of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you. And we give you glory, honor, and laud. We give you everything and ask for nothing in return except that you use us to share the love you put in us and the life that you have given us so that you will be glorified, so that Jesus will be praised, so the Spirit will roam free in the land, bringing renewal, revival, and restoration. We join with the saints of old, praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly, but give us just a moment longer to find one more who can come to your throne of grace. Amen. Well, this podcast is produced by me, Pastor Dan, here at the Parsons Prairie Corinth United Methodist Church, Parsonage. It is a outreach of Corinth United Methodist Church, and it will, in time, go with me to my new place of service at Shiloh United Methodist. Now, in the United Methodist Church, we move our pastors around sometimes. And those of you who have been lifelong members have often complained about this. And those of us who have been pastors for many years have complained about this. And yet, each time this happens, there is an opportunity for change and renewal and new things. It is a, it is a sort of death and resurrection in itself to to see the end of a time of service for a pastor in a certain community, and then to see a new life of service in another community. And yet, it comes with grief. We're sad to see the people that we love here crying because we're leaving, and yet we're grateful that we've created this sweet sorrow. We're excited about the new friends and the new ministries that we'll be a part of in our community that we're moving to. And as always, we hope to stay a long time. And well, frankly, old Pastor Dan might just be old enough to stay someplace longer than five or six years. But uh, in any case, wherever God sends us, whether it's up here on the blustery prairie or down in the deep woods of the south, or whether it's some other far-flung place, it is the right place to be when we trust and obey the Lord. And so, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast, and I want to assure you that as best as I'm able, it'll keep coming from wherever. And uh, when the new place of service is settled, and we have a home, and we have new stories to tell, well, there'll probably be a few new nicknames for the surroundings, and there'll probably be some new animals to name, and some interesting things going on that will be worth mentioning, and the old, uh, well, maybe it won't be Parsons Prairie Tales anymore, but something else. 
So just stay tuned to see what uh, what we make of it. But for now, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining in this journey of virtual Bible study. As always, don't let this be the only way that you connect. Connect with other believers through Bible study. Meet with a couple of people at church and uh, have prayer and Bible study with them. Ask a few friends at work who are believers to join you in a virtual Bible study and discussion afterwards. Ask uh, Ask your spouse or your loved ones at home, you know, where can we go to be a part of a church family? Don't assume that you can do this as a lone wolf. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You need to be around other believers. And God seems to have allowed the multitude of churches for that very purpose so that everybody can find a place where they can connect. Now, if you're living up here in the vicinity of Parsons Prairie, then I invite you to try out Corinth United Methodist Church. You'll find friends there. You'll find friends who become family and a family that becomes the body of Christ. And and if you're in the vicinity of uh, Shiloh United Methodist, well, all I can tell you right now is, is you know where that is. If you know where that is, we'd be glad to see you there too. And either way, you need to know that Part of this service comes from the fact that these churches employ me as their pastor and pay my salary. So you want to help them? You want to thank them for the service that uh, this virtual Bible study provides? Send them a donation. Tell them it's for Pastor Dan and that weird podcast he does. You can visit both churches on the internet by looking them up at CorinthUMC.com or Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. For now, God bless you and goodbye.